It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Vef. And yeah, it's a bit of a different location today. I'm sitting here in Greece. Not gonna lie, I'm on a beach. And I'm joined by Thomas Farines because we had a really special week this week with the Football Grad Network uh, hanging out in Greece in Thessaloniki. Uh, I wasn't on the beach every day, I promise. It was actually most of the time it was work. And um, yeah, it's really happy to be joined by Thomas. Thomas, how are you? Hi Manu, I'm great. Fit in the water, you know, good feeling. And uh, yeah, man, uh, not only work. Most of the time, we were actually in, either in a football stadium, or watching a football game, or in my case, coaching a little bit as well. Yeah, lots of things happening this week. It was it was a fascinating week because um, the last time we had you on, we had the gun swinging Russian oligarch um, happening at Pauk. Uh, Palo Salonica, the biggest club in Thessaloniki. And, um, yeah, a lot of things happened since then. The, the league, um, was suspended for a few weeks. There was no football. Um, no one knew what was going to happen. We were talking about how potentially FIFA could even suspend Greece because of political involvement. Um, they, there was discussions on how the game against Ajax is going to proceed. Um, lots and lots of things. And one of the things that you told me, um, altogether, Pauk had 10 games, uh, behind closed doors, um, this season. So this is, these are things that are going back a long, long time. Um, yeah, just talk us through it. What happened? All the things that happened before this weekend, basically. Whew. That's a, <laughs> a lot of thing to talk through. But yeah, man, uh, I mean, uh, Pauk, uh, after the incidents that, that happened in last year's cup final against Ajax, had a seven-game ban, which meant that the first seven games of the season were behind closed doors. And then after these troubles w- with Olympiacos, there were three more games uh, behind closed doors. Uh, and then, which means that uh, for someone that holds a season ticket, they only managed to watch uh, half a dozen football games in, in their own stadium. And if, if you think about it with, it's, it's, it's really sad. And I've seen, I've seen, um, before the, the last game of the season, which was open, it was, it was the one that, where we managed to get in. Uh, Safit is, uh, released a press release in, he, he, in which he invited all the fans of Pauk to come to, <laughs> as you mentioned in your article, to celebrate his, uh, 
his title. And I've also uh, listened to Lucescu, uh, not not the father, the son, talk about how um, he didn't understood why Ike was celebrating the the league because actually uh, the there's still, if I'm not wrong, the the league still hasn't decided if they they're removing all the the points. I mean, it's another season in Greece, and it's another season in which. Um, Football fans can only be disappointed because, and we we spoke to people on the street and they they're stopping to going to the stadium because of, you know who's going to uh, to end up winning the league, uh, and you can see like the amount of titles, the disparity between the cities. Like Athens has, what, uh, eighty won, titles? Won all but six titles. Yeah, they've won all but six titles. Uh, out of these six other titles, five are for Thessaloniki. Three for Aris and two for Pauk, and one is for for Larissa, the third biggest city in in the country. So it means that at the end of the day, um, it's only bad for Greek football as um, it drives away the fans that prefer to watch other leagues on the TV, and it drives away as well the the, the potential talents that don't want to play in a prefixed league. Yeah, it's 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 you actually mentioned the. You know, the people on the street being upset. Uh, our taxi driver, uh, yeah. a couple of days ago, he's like, Oh, I don't watch Greek football. It's corrupt. Um, you get, you get that a lot. And I mean, it's, it's a fair point. We have now the end of the season and you mentioned Ivan Savidis' uh, press release. And that was the day where we went to see them play against, um, Platanias, Platanias right? The last, uh, place team in the league. And, um, one of the, Park Ultras showed me the table on the official homepage of Park, and there they were first because Park basically just counted all the points that they collected this season, even the ones that the, the Greek Football Federation took away from them. And then, of course, then there's the official table on the the official homepage of the the, the Greek Football League, the Super League, and there, um, Ike Athens is the champion, I think, with three points more. And then no one knows, right? So Ike Athens two weeks ago celebrated the title, and at the end of the game that we went to. Park fans celebrated dead, <laughs> you know, and it's just this really kind of bizarre situation where you know where they basically don't know what's happening next. Um, meanwhile, Savidis has been banned for three years for his gun swinging, you know, attitudes. I mean, there's even more. I mean, remember when we planned this trip, when we decided that I would come out here to to, to visit you? Um, we planned this trip at a time before the incident with Savidis. And then the Savidis incident happened. And then all of a sudden you said, well, Manu, you might not be able to watch any games because the league was suspended, right? And then you said, okay, well, Manu, we will, there is going to be a game, but you're only going to be able to get in this press because it's going to be an empty stadium. And then I think the day before I flew here, yeah. <laughs> the day before I flew here, so Thursday, last Thursday, last Thursday, Manu, the stadium is going to be open again. <laughs> I mean, um, you go to these games on a frequent basis. It's really hard to keep track of all of this, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, with Park, it's it's very difficult to, to to understand when the when you can or not go to the stadium. I I, I rely on the other ultras. Uh, when they send me a message that they're going to the game, then I I go with them to the game. But uh, most of the games I watched of Park this year. 
uh, were <laughs> were at the the clubhouse at the Sindosmos because mm. we couldn't get into the stadium. It's uh, it's really a shame for 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 part of a city. I mean, it's a it's a big city. It has a lot of uh, fans. It has a lot of football teams as well, and uh, you see and you saw it in the other games. Like mm. the, the the stands are, are starting to get empty and empty because there's there's no no wish anymore to go to a stadium if you know that your team is going to be not not going to be able to to win on in a fair way. But yeah, uh, also it's interesting to remember that this next weekend, Pauk's actually taking uh, after <laughs> some months of negotiation, Pauk finally managed uh, to get some. If I'm not wrong, it's uh, twelve thousand tickets, uh, around twelve thousand tickets for the cup final in, in Athens, uh, which they are going to play for the second year in a row against Aik. And uh, yeah. I've heard different things from different fans, but the the only thing that everybody's hoping is that they will be able to actually play the game and that the the title of the the cup will be won in the stadium and not outside the stadium in some office. You know, it's uh, what I thought was really interesting because when you read Ivan Savidis's um, public statement, is that he said he's going to be there. I'm. And not in spirit, you're laughing. I know you're laughing because it is official pressers. So he said, I quote, go to the game and support uh, uh, Park at the last league game of the season, the game that we went to, and look at the face of your neighbor and you will see me there in spirit. I'm quoting this, Thomas. Stop laughing. It's an actual quote, okay? Um, it's very melodramatic. I agree. It's very funny. But he said, actually, he will be in Athens in person. I, I'm not sure how he's going to do this with a three-year ban. Do you have any idea on that? Uh, only if they made made a deal, but I, I, I highly doubt he will be there. Maybe maybe his son will be there, but I, I mean, it would be... It would be like that case. Remember in the Euro 2016 when the leader of the Russian hooligans, he he was supposed to be out of the country, and then oops, he showed up the next day in another stadium. Maybe maybe that's what Russian people do. They can teletransport for to other locations. <laughs> yeah, I found his separate uh, passport, and he's just like different name, etc. It, it's interesting, and I mean, all of this sounds bad. Um, it sounds like this is a really bad situation and, and it is um, but at the same time and this, this is more my own experience I've never been to a football match in Greece um, and I thought ahead of the game we met up with a big group of people that got us into the stadium uh, I won't get into details how we got in because it was um, yeah we didn't have a ticket did we Thomas <laughs> he's smiling I'm sure someone had a ticket for us And it was also just like the way we got in. It was just the, the most remarkable thing. I mean, uh, I, I, you, when you're used to going to games in Europe, we brought our own beers and we, I'm talking canned beers, right? And bottles of wine and, um, none of these things got thrown. You know, you would think that, okay, uh, this is, this is just a riot in the making, but none of these things got thrown. Um, there were fireworks. I mean, that, that was to be expected. It wasn't as crazy spectacular as you often see on television, but, I, for one, didn't feel threatened at any moment. I mean, maybe it was with the right crew, but I actually thought it was a very enjoyable, it was a great experience to watch a game. And this is, I mean, the, the game, the football itself wasn't the best football in the world, but as a fan experience, it's definitely among the best. And I mean, this is pretty normal, isn't it, Thomas? 
Yeah, I mean, this is something that is really interesting about Greek football is that it's the ultras uh, control the, the their own space, so they have uh, they have a say, and it's the same uh, as you saw for Heracles, but it's mm. also the same for the the other teams such as Aris as well. They they control who comes in and who comes out, and so if you're if you're either part of their crew or if you're going with their crew. Then you're you're likely to to be able to attend the games, and this is this is why as well. Like as part of my project, we 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 did the connection directly with the fan clubs and not with uh, the clubs itself. But yeah, it's I mean when if you think about it, like uh, in France, for example, everyone is scared of alcohol in stands. Everyone mm. is scared of flares, and and I mean. These are dangerous things. It could, it could something bad could happen. But you, you saw it. It's just like uh, it. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as calling it a, a family space in which, like, you can bring your kids. But it was a, it was a space in in which the besides some chance <laughs> directed to some to to certain regions of the country, <laughs> there were not uh, not a lot of violence, and I, I think that. This is something as well we, we, we need to take into consideration because sometimes when we don't allow alcohol inside stadiums, what ha- tends to happen is people binge drinking and then being mm. uh, watching the game on the high level of alcohol. And it, I, I think it's more dangerous. Yeah, I, I actually thought it was, and I, I point this out in the footballground.com article that I've done on this, that as a stadium experience, it's it's really interesting when you when you get to the stadium because it's a it's a classic ground. It's um, I mean for those that have traveled quite a bit, it's not nothing like stadiums in in Germany, England, France as well. I guess right. It's not a modern stadium at all. It reminded me, and you you pointed this out, Thomas, too, because you're originally from Brazil. That it's a very almost South American thing, yeah. isn't it? And it's, it's a really neat, really neat experience. Um, it really is. And I mean this in every, in every positive way because, um, it's a very liberal, liberating and liberal, um, experience in a lot of ways. And I mean, I don't want to say that this, the, the crowd that attends the games, the park are 100% perfect. There's issues there as well. Um, you, for example, mentioned Golden Dawn has, has an influence at the, at the stands, uh, with the ultras or is, you know, there's a certain amount of, power conflict but i as a neutral i thought it was a it was a very interesting game in that regard and it's what's really interesting too is that it's all self-organized you know there's inside there were almost no food food stands etc there was all outside and um there's not there's basically there's no food or drinks inside the these stadiums because they're, they're really old school stadiums and they're not old school stadiums like you can find in England in which you, you have the space for, for, for food. No, it's like the food is on the outside. So at the halftime, the gates are open and then you go get your, your souvlaki or you go get your gyros and you're back for the second half. Yeah, it's almost like it should be. Yeah. I mean, that this is, this is like a proper experience. But it's also just the architecture of the entire place. It's just such a encompassing kind of situation. And, and you mentioned some of the other clubs because this wasn't the only game that we did. Um, the power game, of course, with all the politics, etc., is is the the head, headline, right? And but we also went to another game, and we went to this game for for good reason because um, you work um, with the club Iraklis. 
And I, before we get into what you do with them, I want to kind of just do a little bit of a background because the Iraqis are a really fascinating club. And in that regard, that they're the city's oldest, uh, founded in 1908 and actually a founding member of the, what, you know, isn't today the Greek Super League. And, um, you pointed this out to me. They have a shirt with three dates, 80, 11, 70. And those are the three dates where they got relegated. But it's not simple relegation, isn't it, Thomas? Because there's a story behind that. They've never got relegated for being bad at football. So that means for, for not achieving, uh, the, to, to remain in the, in the first division. Every time it was external motives. So in, in 1980, where, when, uh, Iraqis was first relegated, they were relegated because of a match fixing allegation. It was a game against, uh, Pauk, uh, which is one of the reasons why they dislike each other. And, um, <laughs> funny enough, uh, Iraqis were absolved of, uh, the, this match fixing in the middle of the following season, whilst they were already playing in the second division and, uh, they got promoted again. The second time, uh, in 2011, it was because of financial problems. And it was the same last season when they were, when they were rated from the directly to the third division again because of financial problems. So on, uh, this is the irony of that t-shirt. They, they celebrate these relegations because actually they've been relegated for external factors, never on the pitch. Yeah, that's, it's, it's astonishing because they, they are not the best known club in, in Greece or Thessaloniki, but yet they're the oldest. Um, and they're the club that's actually never gotten relegated, even though they've been relegated three times. Um, I, I did for the pictures that we took during the game, I did the story yesterday and, um, just astonishing. And I mean, they, I think the, the fans, they, they take, the irony that they carry these shirts with, um, it's, it's quite fascinating. They play, oh, you have to help me with the name of the stadium, Thomas, the Kafta, Kaftan Zoglu Stadium. Kaftan Zoglu Stadium. Also known as the National Stadium of Thessaloniki. The National Stadium of Thessaloniki. Renovated for the 2004 <laughs> Olympics. And it's actually one of the few facilities built in the 2004 Olympics that are not a hundred percent a white elephant because the stadium is actually way too big for, for a third division club. But, um, yeah, to get back to it, it's, it's interesting how the fans really carry that almost like as a badge of honor. <laughs> the fact that they have gotten relegated three times. And, uh, it makes for a really interesting stadium experience because the, the, the curva, uh, or the area, the fan area is really well organized. Um, my favorite part, Thomas, is the big bucket of ice that they have right underneath the fence where the two couples are standing and you can just walk up to it. You pay a euro and you get a can. I repeat, a can of beer, not a plastic cup, a can. You get an actual can of beer, frozen cold in a big bucket of ice. Remarkable. I mean, I I, I think anyone would just get a nightmare in Western Europe thinking about the fact that people were walking in with buckets, uh, with like crates of, of beer cans. I know they're crates of beer cans because I actually held carry in a few. Um, it, it's just absolutely insane. It's, it's a great experience. I mean, for four or five euros, you get four or five beers and you watch, well, it's not good football, but you get to watch live football. You get to watch fans. Basically, you get to watch fans sing during the whole game. And, uh, in my experience in Greece, 
that's the best you can do because the football unfortunately and and it's in my opinion it's due to the the in a lot due to the corruption of the league there's the there's not even a they don't even try anymore to 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 play like good football and so you go there to enjoy the fans and to 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 meet people yeah i think that's that's pretty much bang on um i think the one club that we unfortunately because of scheduling etc i'm going to miss out on them and that's aris um they are a bit of a feel good story right Paul, thomas because they're going back up um they they've reached promotion last weekend yeah. um to the first division i think they were demoted because of financial reasons as well correct me if i'm wrong um very very big club they're actually the most successful club in this in the city not Pauk, them. Um, it's of course something that Pauk fans don't want to hear. I think the word Aris wasn't muttered at once from my side and I didn't even say anything that I have a fondness for Borussia Dortmund because Borussia Dortmund have a fan friendship of Aris and I remember a few years ago Borussia Dortmund came here and there was a lot of trouble with Pauk fans. Um, but it, the Aris are a really interesting club. You took me to the stadium and it's, it's really neat how the entire stadium is like a sport complex. So there's like boxing, there's judo, there's uh, athletic training. Um, the stadium itself is really beautiful with these black and yellow seats. It's it's a great facility and it's going to be a very good addition back to the Greek Super League, isn't it? Yes, and we will have the Classicos back. Like the 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 derby between Pauk and and Aris are, are going to be back in the in the first division, and this is good for the town. And uh, Aris obviously will not doesn't fight with the same um, weapons as. Uh, <laughs> Funny enough, weapons as Pauk, but um, they they will at least uh, for one game when they will pack the the Harilau Stadium, they will be there behind the team. And I I've seen that stadium full. It will be very difficult for any team if the the stadium is full to to come and get the three points. It's a really South American style. Uh, uh, stadium as well. It's really close to the pitch. The fans are very noisy. They, it's it's fantastic. The the these three clubs of Thessaloniki have amazing fans that are all the time supporting the their teams. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting season. And maybe in two seasons, Iraklis will join them. Yeah, because Iraklis. I looked at the standings yesterday. They're pretty much yeah. promoted to the second division. It looks like that from the second division. Um, the path isn't too difficult. The reason, the other reason why I'm bringing up, um, Aris as well, and um, of course we're going to touch on Iraqis as well, as well as the third club is your project, Thomas. And, um, I was very, very fortunate yesterday that I got to, um, spend time with Aniko, um, and the boys of Aniko to do, do a training session. And I'm saying training session and saying boys, etc. What do, does this all mean? Well, Thomas works, um, ref- refugees here in Thessaloniki, refugees that have arrived basically fresh to this country uh, from all over the place. And um, I think it's probably best to explain that, that he explains exactly what this ref- refugee project does and how why football is such an important means to do so. So basically, I've been working with... Um with football and uh, in sports for development and peace in general for a long time. Um, and uh, when I, I first came to Greece, my idea was to, to as part of a, a community space, 
to have some football sessions so that the people could uh, you know get back a little bit in life uh, like get get a sense of normality because this is this is the biggest problem when you when you're a refugee or or displaced people uh, you do not have any anything normal in your life you you either live in a camp or in an, an accommodation you don't have the right to work it's often you don't go to school so it, people forget about that and one of the few things that that is easy to do is is to engage with them through through such a, a basic and powerful tool that is football you basically only need uh, a football and the and then game starts, right? Mm-hmm. You don't even need to have a football pitch. And uh, in the beginning, we we were doing like we we decided, oh yeah, let's uh, let's train them. And we grew a lot with the training. We were coaching around uh, from September to until now. We've coached an average of uh, ninety players a week, which is not a lot. Uh, but you have to bear in mind that the team is just me and and the founder Dan. Uh, here in Thessaloniki, so it's a bit difficult to do more than that. And uh, little by little, I we decided to to add some points uh, to this project. Uh, yes, training sessions are very important. It's very important for the people to be physically active. It it helps them develop uh, their um, their uh, their physical, but also the mental, and they start to feel better about themselves. They they open up, they meet new people, they make friendships, and we've all played football, mm-hmm. and we know how, like how it is when you're part of a team. You you feel like you belong somewhere, and it's something really important. And so we created two new projects. One of them is Football for All, that is a, a, a community day. Uh, the next one, unfortunately, you're going to miss it. It's on next Sunday. But it's a, it's a day in which people come to play football, and regardless of uh, all the discrimination, gender, ability, religion, um, nationality, everything. It's just like for people to come and play together, meet new people. And the other one, which is the one uh, you actually experience as well, besides the training sessions, is fan matches. Uh, the idea of fan matches basically came along uh, when I was thinking of... I, how much I love going to the football stadium, and I really do. Like I, if I could, I could, I would go to one or two games a week. Uh, but this isn't London. There's not so many options to go to the stadium here. Although here is cheaper, as we mentioned before, uh, <laughs> or free, of <laughs> cheaper. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, I had the idea of talking to to fan groups because I I, I remember that in Germany, if I'm not wrong, in 2015. Uh, football clubs uh, open space for uh, for refugees to come and and watch the games, and yes, I I understand that it's it's very nice and very good from the clubs. But my idea was to create a connection between these refugees uh, and uh, the local fans, so that once you break the the barriers of communication by uh, exchanging on on the shared passion. And also you get to have uh, new fans for, for your club, which is one of the reasons why uh, we don't go to Pauk, because Pauk has a full stadium every week. And so I first went to Super Tree, the, the fans of Aris, and they accepted as a pilot project to have fa- 10 football fans uh, attend their games. I went to Iraklis 
and the same thing, 10 uh, football fans, pilot project. And now this is the interesting part because these two teams are bitter rivals and they were super happy that we were not focusing only on one. The leaders, the, the capo of Super 3 and the capo of Iraklis, the autonomy gate 10 from Iraklis, they were both super happy that we were actually trying to be inclusive of all the clubs. And this, this also shows you how amazing, uh, at the end of the day, we do not share the same colors, but we, we want the same thing, a better society. And yeah, and we also have now, uh, we have added another team, which is Apollon Pontu, uh, formerly known as Apollon Calamarias, uh, which, which was a team founded by, uh, refugees back in the 1920s when they came from Pontu which is the north of Turkey, the region where Trabons and Bursa is. And there we have a, a bit more space. We have uh, 20, 20, 20 tickets at the moment as part of the pilot project. And for me, it's really important that uh, we have these interactions with locals because the, the fear of the other is what... Um, drives us and if we break the fear of the, of the other we can then engage into helping each other and this is what's happening some of some of the guys already have made i wouldn't say lasting friendship of 10 years but they they they're starting to get noticed and people always ask where they're from and what are they doing and how is it going and everything it's it's really interesting yeah i think it was it was neat going to the iraq this game where you had brought some of the refugees that you work with um, and how it just seemed like the most normal thing in the world, right? That they now go into this game and um, yeah, it's like a routine. It becomes like a routine. It becomes a thing that you do. And, and they sing it as well. They yeah, sing the song. Yeah. And that's that was that was really cool. It's, I think that's I mean, you're right. Football is such an inclusive thing. It's like it's like a barrier breaker. And um, the, the other thing that we did and that was the, took part of yesterday it was the training session. And I thought the training session was the most remarkable thing ever because the, the way you guided it and we, we, we did the rondos to warm up, right? And, um, there was an extra group of people that are usually not there. Um, so you had to deal with, um, a bit of variables, but I guess it's quite normal that that happens. Um, but you were so good at integrating all these people. And then we played a match and it was like all these different nationalities on the pitch, etc. And, um, it wasn't, and you admitted this afterwards to me, said, well, you work as the referee during these games, right? Um, either you run a training session or you work as a referee. So you admitted to me afterwards, well, I didn't have the best time refereeing. But you used that to your advantage. And you gave the speech afterwards where I said, well, I, I'm a referee um, and I made some mistakes. But what did we learn from me making mistakes? Was the fact that in life, not everything is simple. And I thought that was such a powerful thing that you said that because it's something that applies from football to real life. Um, and at the same time, it just le learns you to team build because there was a couple of things where you just pointed out, okay, there's this thing that happened. There's that thing that happened. And look how beautiful it is because all of a sudden these people helped each other out. And this is quite normal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's always difficult to be a referee regardless if you're coaching or not. Uh, you have only a pair of eyes and uh, in that case I also didn't have liners. Uh, here I go again finding excuses. <laughs> but yeah, and um, I, I really, as you mentioned, uh, actually they were expected. 
uh, the, the 10 new people were expected to come and it, it, it was great because I prepared the, the people to actually include them and uh, as, as as you saw as well in the end when I when I see good behavior I encourage it because I believe that uh, when people get a compliment they will want to do it again because if you all the time being negative and and that's as well the way I coach I rarely go and go correct a mistake saying like oh you're doing everything wrong I will say look this is good you need to just to improve on this aspect of, of your game and I've had I've had in the past few weeks a, a lot of good um, the, the feedback that I get is like when I see the guys and and they they're more inclusive they're welcoming the new players and yesterday was was just like it was just another case and every time that happens it's like it's a it's a goal for me it's uh it's as if i'm 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 scoring the goals because at one day hopefully they will find a, a proper club here because my my pro, my my goal is not to 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 coach them forever i want them to move into greek clubs and if they have the mentality this kind of mentality of helping each other trying to fight fight for each other they will uh Fight on the pitcher, um, and they will they will achieve great things. They might not become the new Messi's or Ronaldo's, but they will have a happy life because the people will trust them, and that that's what's important. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing that you can take away from football that then helps you as a refugee coming to this country, and maybe having to stay in this country for the rest of your life? What does what can you take away? Um, from that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned to me, like these refugees that come here and they're getting a lot of help from lots of different organizations and, um, they almost need to relearn to do things for themselves in a way. Yeah. Um, is that something that you learn from playing football? And what else can you take away from, from this kind of session? Well, um, we try to, to empower them in the way that like we, we really want them to, to be independent and to to be able to make the, their own decisions when they come to the sessions they there is a clear structure to my sessions they all know it and they know that there's a set of rules that they need to respect and the rules that i set i and as sounding like this it looks like it's the army but it's not it's basically whenever you go in society you you have a set of, of rules or there is a sector set of expectations uh, from you, right? And I think that that football has has this because you you can break the rules in football. You could you could do a handball, but then you'll be punished. You can you can break the rule and uh, I don't know uh, have a fight with someone, but you'll be punished. And it and I'm only taking the negative cases, but you could also think on the other hand, well. If if someone is there and is trying to get the ball back because you made a mistake, you you'll see like oh, that that's really good. Next time, if he does a mistake, I'll do the same. And and then you you understand that like you start to to add in concepts of solidarity mm. and uh, of teamwork. And these are things that whenever you work, in, in, may that be as a as a teacher or uh in as a in a restaurant or whatever you you may think of working these are uh, important skills that 
if you don't have them, if you just expect things to fall on your lap, well, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And that's regardless of being a refugee or a migrant or whatever. It's just like as it's the basic rules of society. And uh, as a last point, I would say that, uh, and that's one of the things we also try to, to, to install is like they, they need to get to know each other. And when we talk about the nationalities, it's actually interesting that when the, the end of the season comes, we tend to have uh, more and more Greeks joining the sessions. And it's great. Uh, so it also makes, makes a way for them meeting people that play football and get to learn a little bit more about, about the, this country that is hosting them. It's um, the one question that I had, and this, this is something that I noticed um, because I was taking part of this training session and played myself. As, you're quite tough. <laughs> you're quite tough with them. And the one thing that you mentioned to me, I thought this was quite powerful. It's like, look, Manu, these people, they expect paradise because this is, this is more or less the, the way to see the European Union, the West, etc. They expect paradise. And then they come here and they realize, well, it, it, it's not true. This place isn't paradise. Um, and it's actually a very difficult place. Of course, it's an easier place than the place that they came from, but because they are, they have nothing, they, they, it, they have nothing really here, right? And so it's not paradise, but you still saw it very tough on them. And I thought it was very remarkable how, um, they, even when they want something and they want something quite just easily, you basically, nope, this is the rules of the engagement. This is the way we're going to do it. End of story. Bottom line. I'm running the session. You have to respect me as the point of authority. I thought that was something quite clear. Do you think that's really, really important? It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's a difficult question because there's what I believe uh, and what I do. I think that uh, I, sh I, I, I shouldn't need to be authoritarian, but uh, is, it's my, it, it has been my experience working here in the field that if they sometimes, unfortunately, people and need a certain shock because of everything that happens during the journey to them, they they tend to have uh and because everything is given to them uh, as you mentioned they 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 don't feel empowered by anything they they don't feel the the will because every every door shuts to them and in a way like me trying to to be energetic is also trying to teach them that sometimes things are not going to be exactly the way they want and most most players actually they have 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 had discussion with them because obviously uh i i i have self criticism i cannot only expect to to do this and like be like yeah yeah who who's this guy shouting at us and i mean i've changed a lot in the in the way that i coach it 
you always you should learn from your students as much as you teach mm-hmm. them or even you should learn more from them and it it was really interesting to 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 have this conversation with them and they were all like coach what are you talking about you're so nice to us and i was i was surprised and then i understood because i also remembered my, my experience with football coaches more than one time i was screamed at without reason and what i do is that i speak loud and sometimes people that don't experience for the first time my training sessions they believe that i'm angry and i was called off once by someone that say oh thomas don't be so angry you might make him a bad impression of them and then i just turned to them smiling and explained that no no i'm just i'm just speaking louder so they can all hear and they they repeat in in the head and i don't know i might i might have chosen uh, the wrong way of of dealing with it but so far it's working so as i've heard so many times before in football you don't win, you don't change a winning team <laughs> well i have to say i was impressed um i i thought the, the entire experience was very i mean this entire experience here in greece with everything that we've done has been has been absolutely fascinating because you know usually when I mean, people that listen to the football grab podcast that we do political stuff quite a bit, but it's it's been a very different different experience in a lot of ways. And I thought that training session in particular. I mean, I've played football my entire life, and uh, it has been it was a lot of fun, you know, um, playing with these kids and experiencing what you do firsthand because it is it is a powerful thing. And the speech that you gave at the very end, um, I understand you give the speech every time, right, Thomas? So. Um, it's a similar speech. It was very, it was a very strong message. The fact that, you know, football is, is a lesson for life. And it's something that we can take a lot away from. And that these, that you're really helping these kids with what you're doing. I really get that impression. I really get a very strong impression. Um, and in that regard, you know, I almost, I want, I want to wrap it up there because I want to give you the floor and just tell people what can they do to help you guys. Because, I mean, Aniko, we're like everything, sadly, in life. It needs money, it needs help, it needs support, etc., etc., etc. What can people do, not just with you guys, but in general with, with what's going on here in Greece? What can people do? Where can people find you? Where can people get in touch with you if they if they want to if they wanna help? Or just in general, what, what can people do? Uh, as you said, they can send bags of money with uh, unmarked notes. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Basically, uh, in order to help us, and, and this is actually... Uh, there's there's two ways. Um, if you know someone that works in in football, uh, in, or in a professional club, or um, as an agent, or, or, or anything that has like a business uh, and that would be interesting in investing in in a project like Anico, you can you can find all the details in in our website. But also, which you, is which is we are Anico.com. I was coming to that. That was the last point. Um, basically. Another way as well that you, that you can support us is by having a look in our, in our webpage, uh, which I will repeat at the end. Uh, and ha- we have certain projects such as the Football for All, in which, unfortunately, because of the way that modern football is, we have to rent the space in order to make the, the event. And this is something that's uh, more important than uh, a long-term support is is really like, Every five pounds helps. Like it, it costs us two hundred euros per per event, and uh, yeah, 
it's it's something as well that that if if people can support we're more than happy to to receive donations and uh we're very thankful already for the, the support we get but yeah uh, if you want as well for speaking of the world cup we were talking earlier about the world cup we're organizing a sweepstake uh, that um, you can find on on our website that's another way you can support us and it, it's very easy the website is we are Aniko. Aniko is written A N I K O. And uh, if you if you want to get in touch with me directly, if you if you have doubts or, or anything, you can find me at, at Thomas Farines on Twitter as well. Yeah, excellent stuff. And Thomas, you write for the Football Grad Network too, so you you can find Thomas on there. So our contacts are on the Football Grad Network. Um, recent article you written too on Fikir, right? Nabil Fekir apparently is going to Liverpool so you know he's Thomas is a, a former scout he knows the stuff um, <laughs> as well as coaching as well as helping people here multi-talented guy you are Thomas really good job um, well it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, as always you know we're going to go have, go back to our beach life but um, yeah if if you want to help we are Nico.com. Please do so. Um, you can find this content and any other content um, we do at Football Grad Live. Uh, you can follow me at Manuel If you have any questions uh, regarding this podcast, any of the other podcasts we do, articles, etc., email us contact at footballgrad.com. We're on Acast, iTunes, the Anfield Index podcast uh, app um, that you can find on any cell phone, I believe. Yeah, so lots of lots of places to find us. Well. That it is from us this week. Until next week, das wird dann ja. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.